0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of Women With Balls, where I, Katie Balls, speak to today's trailblazers. For today's episode, sponsored by Lloyds Banking Group, we're going to be discussing issues surrounding menopause in the workplace. Women of menopausal age make up a tenth of the UK workforce and a quarter of all working women. The symptoms of menopause can make work much harder. They include both physical and mental, from hot flushes and brain fog to insomnia. But at a time when many may be reaching the peak of their career, these symptoms can halt years of career progression. What's more, the condition is often stigmatised and little discussed. Steps are being made to break this. This year MPs introduced the first private member's bill of menopause and the government established a menopause task force. Employers are becoming ever more aware of the things they could do to help these millions of women. But what are the next steps? With me to discuss this is the Minister for Women's Health, Maria Caulfield, who also co-chairs the government's Menopause Task Force. Jackie Smith, a broadcaster and Home Secretary under Gordon Brown. She is currently the chair of two NHS trusts. Finally, Michelle Blaney, Chief Culture and Talent Officer at Lloyds Banking Group. Thanks to my panel for joining me today. Michelle, just to kick us off, could you lay out some of the figures when it comes to the scale of the problem?
1: Well, I think the scale is significant. I mean, you've talked about some of the volume in terms of numbers. Um, but if I just look at a group like Lloyds Banking Group, we employ 21,000 women over the age of 40 and 11,000 women are aged over 50. So we sort of estimate that 30% of our workforce could be experiencing some phase of the menopause, either you know perimenopause or in the menopause. And actually, on average, women are retiring now at between 59 and 60, uh, which means that you could be... Be experiencing menopausal symptoms for 20 years plus of your career. So that's pretty prolific, I think. And obviously, the impacts are far reaching because it hits you at the time of life um, when you're potentially just coming into senior roles. And we found in some of our research, and I know that's replicated in other research, that about 25% of women that are going through the menopause actually think about giving up their careers and that is pretty frightening
0: Maria in your time in parliament have you seen a shift in how the menopause is seen uh, by both I suppose the, the government and more generally
2: yeah, definitely. And I think Parliament talking about the menopause has really helped uh, move the conversation along and, uh, and raise awareness of the the sort of symptoms just for women themselves. I mean, when we had that debate last October with Carolyn Harris's private members bill, so many women contacted me to say, they, it was a, like a light bulb moment for them. They didn't realise that some of the symptoms they were having were actually the menopause, and they were worrying that they weren't coping at work with a heavy workload or caring for, ch- you know, grown-up children or uh, elderly parents. They didn't realise things like not sleeping or uh, the brain fog were part of the menopause. And for, for some women, it was just such a huge relief. So I think Parliament has a huge role in talking about the experiences that women are going through, and then keeping people's feet to the fire in, in making sure that change happens.
0: And Jackie, I, I wanted to touch on, obviously, you've got lots of work uh, from today that is related. But if we go back to your frontline politics career, you, you were home secretary and You said uh, after you left the role during your time serving in the home office, you were experienced menopause symptoms, but you didn't feel able to talk about it.
3: Well I mean I think Maria makes a really important point which is one of the things that's happening through people's willingness to talk more about menopause is that women themselves are beginning to understand that things that are happening to them may well be related to the menopause so you know I became Home Secretary when I was 45 and during the time that I was Home Secretary I experienced insomnia, palpitations, anxiety, sweats and at the time, I have to say, I thought to myself, well, that because I'm the Home Secretary. When I stopped being the Home Secretary, I was still experiencing them. So I now, looking back on it, I realise that actually that was what was happening at the time. But you know, you're absolutely right. That Even had I been clearer then that what I was experiencing was perimenopause, I'm not sure, well, I'm pretty sure I would not have wanted to talk about it internally, let alone externally. And that's part of the reason why now I feel it's so important that people do feel able to recognise it, to talk about it, for us ourselves, so that we know the reason why we're facing these things, and also so that others can feel confident to get the help and support that they need. You know, I'm not sure, to be frank, even if I was the Home Secretary today, I probably wouldn't necessarily want to talk about it, but at least I would understand myself the situation that I found myself in
0: now we welcome in this discussion any menopause stories that any of our guests would like to share but michelle i wondered when we're when we're looking at what jackie was is talking about and of course the being home secretary is perhaps a, a more a more extreme example but what do you think are some of the reasons that there has been a reluctance or a stigma to talk about it do you think it touches in uh perhaps uh you know when women actually should be peaking in their careers and insecurity that they'll be seen as you know being past it
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's massive stigma that surrounds it. Well, I think both Marie and Jackie raise really, really great points around actually women not realising themselves. So just thinking, look, I'm really tired. I've taken on maybe a more senior role or I've got lots of other things going on. I'm spinning lots of plates and just not really realising all of the symptoms themselves. And then there's just a massive stigma attached to it. People don't want to admit, actually, maybe I'm not 100% or I'm not at my best. And Really, what, what we have found is by opening up the conversation very similarly, we've had lots, I mean, just like a watershed, I have to say, of women coming forward to say, oh, my goodness me, I didn't realise or actually... It's so fantastic that we're now talking about it because I felt really uncomfortable about talking to my line manager about it. I didn't really know where I should go and what I should do. But I am still finding that that stigma is still there. So we've opened up the conversations, but actually there's still a reticent for senior women to come forward and say, yeah, I'm gonna put my hand up and say, look, I'm going through the menopause. And some days I might not be on my A game and I might not be able to remember the millions of acronyms that we've got or those numbers um, don't come to mind straight away but I'm still really capable of doing my job and I'm managing it and I think it's the people around understanding that and accounting for that as well but you know we're we're not there we've made great strides but we're not there yet.
3: Of course what women should be saying is aren't we brilliant that we are doing these really senior jobs and despite going through the menopause we're still able to do them you know there must be hundreds of women in senior roles in business, in the public sector. Frankly, there must be now and previously lots of female ministers who've gone through this and have still managed to do a brilliant job. And therefore, we should be proud of ourselves. And, you know, I should be ashamed of myself for not having been more willing to talk about it at, at the time. And I think it's an enormous breakthrough, frankly, that women are now happy to talk about it. And women who others can look at and think, well, you are clearly successful and you look great you're doing a brilliant job but actually you're willing to confess to some of the challenges that you're that you're facing and until we do that we're not able to really properly begin to put in place in our workplaces the changes that are necessary in order to support women to do an even better job when they're going through their menopause
0: Now, I want to talk about some of the solutions currently being proposed and what more steps need to follow. But just before we do, I wondered, Maria, in terms of your work when it comes to, for example, the Menopause Task Force, what what have you seen in terms of what you think the biggest problems are? Because there's obviously a two-pronged approach here, one of which, of course, getting the right medical advice, making sure where to see, and the other is, um, you know, more in the workplace, what the employer can do to assist. So what kind of messages have you been hearing?
2: So so our menopause task force is, is really exciting because health is normally a devolved matter, but we're bringing all four nations together under the, the task force, but also it's not just about health. So we have uh, Paul Scully, the Bays minister, kind of taking up the, the work on the, the business side. And we've got uh, Mims Davis, who's the employment minister, who's just commissioned a review into menopause in the workplace and we'll be reporting back on that soon. So, uh, you know, the fact that it's all four nations and it's cross-government, we'll be inviting justice ministers uh, to it shortly as well to talk about women in the prison system who are going through the menopause. I think that's really exciting that it isn't just about it being a health issue it it affects all aspects of a woman's life and not just the woman it affects relationships it affects children it affects the work colleagues uh, and just to make menopause more of a, a normal part of life it's not something that's gone wrong when you're going through the menopause this is a normal part of your life it will go on for for many women for over 10 years and so you know just to build it into a you know a normal pattern of life is is something that we need to do but there are challenges facing women certainly uh, in terms of the aspect of getting HRT you know uh, currently i mean it was just 10% of women were getting HRT last year that has significantly increased but still the number of women who could benefit from HRT aren't getting it prescribed. And that's one of the key challenges. Mm-hmm. And we've got to balance that with now the rising demand for HRT, making sure that the supply is there uh, to meet that demand. So that's probably the, more, the most acute issue is having those discussions about women's healthcare for them to have the confidence to ask for help and then supporting GPs in particular to be able to have that information to support women when they come and see them.
0: Now, a joint research project on behalf of Unison and the Police Federation found that of the respondents who said they had taken sick leave because of menopause symptoms, 44% had told their manager a false reason for their absence. They didn't want to say what it really was. Michelle, when we're looking at the private sector, the Times, for example, has reported that only a quarter of UK businesses have menopause policies. What does a menopause policy look like?
1: So, I mean, we call ours a menopause promise as opposed to a policy 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 also always feels a little bit hierarchical I suppose but a promise is really about how we're going to support you Uh, and that's the undercurrent I suppose of a policy as well within our promise it's really about you know we're going to make it easy for you to ask for support we if you want to speak to someone else other than your line manager we're going to make sure that that happens we're still going to work with you to be the best that you can possibly be we want all of our managers to be menopause informed so that actually that reduces the stigma and they understand what the symptoms are as well and we're going to treat you with respect we're not going to make judgments and we're going to make adjustments you know for you when you need them and the promise of that across the organization has been fantastic but the real commitment that sits underneath it is making sure that we've got the education in place for our line managers so we've got proper line manager training for the menopause so they understand what to look out for what the symptoms are and also how to treat colleagues that are going through this with respect because I think that's the key thing and that obviously takes away from the stigma and we've also made sure that we're we've got some medical provision in place as well so working with Bupa we've got a menopause helpline so colleagues can phone and have those confidential conversations but they've also uh, can access the menopause package which gives them medical support as well uh, which is really important because I think one of the things that you know our people tell us is that it's really difficult when you go to the doctor to speak to somebody who really understands it, to get HRT, to get a real diagnosis that's um, personal to you, because actually HRT may not be right, it may be fabulous, but you need somebody that's going to speak to you about your symptoms and understand what to do.
0: Jackie, do, do you agree with that? And says you, you chair two NHS trusts, so do, do you think that there is still an issue when it comes to actually getting that, the, the medical opinion you need when you're going in with these problems?
3: Well, I mean, my personal experience was that, you know, my GP was very sympathetic, but I'm not sure that I... Um, necessarily at the beginning got the advice that I needed. But then actually things improved considerably. I I have had HRT. I no longer have it, but I have had HRT. And for example, I had a situation where my GP was saying, well, we think you might be coming towards the end of the time when you should be having your HRT. And I said, look, I'm going through a divorce. I'm a, I'm a quite difficult time in my life. I really want to carry on having it and she said fine okay i can completely understand that so i think people even within the health service have improved but me i'm really glad that maria both has responsibility for women's health and has brought people together in the way in which she has done because there's no doubt in the nhs that there is now concern amongst women about the access to HRT and that's going to take a lot of work to make sure that all the women who can benefit from it both know that they can ask for it, their doctors will understand uh, what's involved in giving uh, HRT and once you get a prescription you're actually able to get hold of it. But obviously also in the NHS we're big employers and I was looking at the menopause policies that we're currently in the process of developing for the two trusts that I'm responsible for where we're employing over. Uh, nearly 25,000 people. And of course, what, what we've demonstrated today is that even those of us who are in senior positions, who are confident, have problems talking about and taking action that supports us during menopause. Imagine if you're, you know, a nurse or a porter or uh, an ancillary, somebody who's got a much less powerful position in in the places that I'm responsible for. It's even more difficult then to be able to talk to your manager, to be able to get access to the things that you need. And there are lots of practical things that I know have been suggested. What sort of uniforms are we asking people to wear? Are we providing access to fans and cool places? Are we making sure that everybody's manager understands what some of the implications are going through the menopause might be so i really welcome this emphasis with employers on developing the policy so that there's understanding and then developing the practical ways that we can support all of our workforce including those Aren't able to go on podcasts and aren't able to be uh, more vocal about it like we all are.
0: Maria, you mentioned the review that Mims Davies uh, is conducting on, on this issue. So, obviously, some of this is still a, a moving picture. But of course, if you are asking businesses to come at menopause policies or we saying that is a, a positive step, do you think it's realistic for all businesses to really have their own menopause policy if you think about smaller businesses, you know, with only a handful of employees? It is
2: realistic because, you know, most employers would have a a policy in place uh, for maternity leave or for sick leave so just you know women making up 51% of the population and even small employers are likely to have a significant number of you know the percentage of their employers being women and you're really talking anyone over the age of 40 and, and some women can go through the menopause Uh, younger than that so I don't think it's an unreasonable request and actually for uh, a small business I think it makes economic sense because you're usually talking about the most experienced employees you're you know obviously will have invested in those members of staff whether through training and the alternative is that women do leave the workplace because of the menopause or reduce their hours because they're just not able to cope the symptoms so in a way it's just an easy investment in staff and much more likely to retain them so I think it makes good business in sense even if you're a small employer there's not a lot of expense involved this is about just recognizing that a woman may want to just be able to have a conversation maybe it takes some time off to go and see the gp maybe to go and get to the chemist to get their prescription or just even just opening the wall uh, the window or maybe working from from home on, on days when they haven't slept maybe for two or three nights so we're not talking about big expenses here and i think it's a good investment in staff to be honest
0: and Michelle, I wondered on that, is there, do you think, a role for industry here in the sense, obviously, Lloyd's has its own policy, but perhaps larger companies could help smaller companies when it comes to collaboration? I don't think you've had any of that yet.
1: Definitely. I think there is a role for all of these things to share, because I think the most important thing, as we've said, is uh, it is an investment. We like a lot of employers, want to make sure that we've got diversity completely represented in our workplace. And so yes, very supportive of helping other businesses as they are going on this journey. But I think the the points raised are really valid, because actually, it's quite small adjustments. So even if you haven't got an official policy in place, it's recognizing and having the conversations and knowing that there's simple little adjustments that you can make to make sure that you're making the investment and that we're talking about it and recognizing it. But but you're right, absolutely there's there's a role for us to play.
3: I think I mean I think the other reason why policies are so important is, you know, Maria and Michelle are absolutely right. This is not rocket science. This is about how you treat your most valuable resource, including those who are probably at their peak Potential productivity period within your businesses, and how you re—frankly, how sometimes you reassure all managers, but particularly male managers, that this is something that it is perfectly okay to talk about. You know, I—I I think about the fact that, you know, I do my podcast with Ian Dale. Ian is always willing on his LBC show to talk about a whole range of social issues. And yet, can I get him to focus seriously on the menopause? No, I can't. Because I think he's somehow or another scared that this is something that, oh my God, what's she going to start talking about? What What is this? And now, you translate that from somebody who's pretty open to those sorts of issues into a workplace where there are a whole load of managers, as I say, men as probably especially, thinking, oh, God, what does it mean if I open up this conversation? What am I going to have to end up doing? What am I going to have to end up talking about? I mean, it's not that difficult, guys. So having the policy there with the very practical ideas, I think, helps everybody to feel more comfortable about making those quite often small changes that can make a very big difference to women's lives in the workplace.
0: Now, I think the panel is in agreement that people should talk about the menopause more, but there, there have been a few voices in recent months who said actually their menopause is getting a lot of attention right now, maybe too much attention. Uh, for example, you had India Night from The Times suggesting that all this talk could start to terrify younger women about the prospect of the menopause. Maria, what do you, what do you make of that?
2: Well, you know, some women do go through the menopause and don't get any of the symptoms. So there are women who, periods stop, they don't get the hot flushes and, and they sail through it. But for the, the significant number of women do have problems. And I think, you know, what I'm hearing from, from women when we've just talked about it in Parliament is the fact that they didn't even know they were going through it. And I think that's quite frightening. And one of the things we're looking at at, at the task force with my co-chair, Carolyn Harris, is around education, not just of healthcare professionals, but of, Women, young girls and boys at school, you know, we talk about um, periods, we talk about pregnancy, we talk about sexual health. They never, ever discuss the menopause. And it's something that's definitely going to happen in, in your, your lifetime. So, you know, and we've had terrible stories from women who, you know, went to see their GP and were, were anxious, were stressed and were put on antidepressants. So, so, yes, there's a lot of attention to it. But there's some terrible experiences that we also hear that just from a lack of knowledge could have been avoided. And so for those women who go through it and, you know, don't get those symptoms, that's great. But there's a lot of women that that's not the case. And um, I don't think you can talk about it enough. It's a natural part of the life cycle. And, you know, for men as well, I think they very much welcome the conversation. Uh, certainly male members of parliament are very comfortable now talking about it. And we just need it to be a normal part of the conversation and not the, you know, oh, she's going through the change that you used to hear whispered, um, you know, not that long ago, to be honest.
3: Yeah, India. India is completely wrong. What's fr- and Maria is completely right. What frightens people? is suddenly having symptoms that they don't understand why they've got and not knowing, even when they know that they might be related to the menopause, what they can do to help to alleviate them. And frankly, the other thing that happens is, you know, I look at, you know, I don't want to be shallow here, but I look at Davina McCall or I look at Mariella Frostrup and I think to myself, blimey, you look great. You've been very open about, you know, what it's been like to go through the menopause and what you're demonstrating to other women is, it's not the end of your life. For goodness sake, you are going through a phase of your life. You may have some issues. There are things that you can do and that the health service can do to help you. And then look at that. Look, look, right. You've got a brilliant life with lots of opportunities after that as well. That's a that's a reassuring thing. That's not a scary thing.
0: And Maria, I just wanted to ask you, we mentioned, of course, some of, the, some of the horror stories or the misdiagnosis. And of course, before you entered politics, you were also a nurse. I wondered, when it comes to your brief, I mean, do, do you think women's problems have been, women's health problems have been institutionally a bit overlooked in the past?
2: yeah I, th- I definitely i mean I think if you look at the 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 experience of women, a lot of the issues they that the, you know i 'm dealing with now are natural part of a, of a woman 's life. We have so many issues around maternity services and women who who have problems during their pregnancy who know something's wrong or they they've tried to ask for help and not been listened to talk about the menopause now even things like um osteoporosis you know that happens because women's hormones decline um o- over time and their bones become more uh brittle and uh, uh, but trying to get help for that is extremely difficult i think men's health is very different they come across health problems and very often won't ask for help uh, women are going through a natural part of life and do try and ask for help and it's just kind of oh, this is women's problems, you just have to get on with it. Um, so women do definitely experience a, a kind of a, a lack of acknowledgement that just because it's a natural part of your life cycle, that there isn't help that could be there to, to to help you get through it. You know, childbirth is a classic example with the the kind of the push for natural births for many years. And, you know, if you took uh, painkillers, gas and air or want, wanted a cesarean, it's almost seemed like a failure. Just because it's a natural part of life does not mean that women don't need help and support to, to get through it. And I think that's the the changing conversation we want to have uh, and encourage and give women the confidence to push back and, and keep asking for help. But also give healthcare professionals the confidence to be able to provide that support too.
0: And Michelle, you like all our panellists are a senior women in the workplace. And, and I wondered, therefore, looking back at your career, do, do you think there have been times when it has been, a, you know, that moment people are talking about as the change, or they look at a colleague in the room, they think they dismiss perhaps someone being a, a bit irritable, having a difficult time as, as in, the, in that sense?
1: Oh, Definitely it's interesting uh correlation to, to pregnancy because I can remember like years ago you know sort of being pregnant and almost being in denial that you were pregnant as a woman uh, let alone you know wanting to say that you know actually you, know, you didn't have an easy pregnancy and the birth was really simple and they're almost like a little bit of um, you almost want to just beat through it and not talk about it and put up with it and i think there is definitely a sea change in women today which I'm absolutely delighted to see so our younger women in the workplace welcome all of this they love talking about it they've been massively supportive in fact the fantastic senior manager that's been leading on this in Lloyd's you know is younger and has been really prolific in saying it's so good she's learned so much she feels really educated and prepared and I and I think we cannot do enough of that really but I have seen a massive shift I mean I've been with this organization for nearly 28 years and it's been fascinating just to see how you know things that I just wouldn't have spoken about actually that would have been deemed you know female problems or issues um, or potentially things that could have set you back in your career actually are no longer there so we, we cannot I can't stress it enough talk about this enough keep vocalizing the issues and making it okay to have the conversations.
0: Jackie we're talking about modernizing the workplace with these new policies of course one of the i uh, probably one of the most tricky workplaces to modernise is Parliament. If you look at the the building, if you look at the system, for example, no HR system and and so forth. Lindsay Hoyle has announced this week that the Commons will become a menopause-friendly employer. What measures do you think uh, he should be looking at in order to make that happen?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I think the fact that Lindsay Hoyle has been willing to do that as Speaker is really significant. And that is down, frankly, I think, to the campaigning work of people like Carolyn and the fact that Marie Maria and others are willing to, to, that's Carolyn Harris, and that Maria and others are willing to, to take this up in Parliament. I mean, for the first big modernising influence in Parliament, of course, was getting a bit few more women in there. And that's still an unfinished job, but um, uh, what a difference uh, it makes. And then I think there'll be some quite practical things that Lindsay can do. I mean, we all know that much of the parliamentary estate is not necessarily amenable to how you control the temperature and things like that. But a lot of it is. So support for clarity I suspect to MPs as well about how they should be treating their staff it's because MPs of course are also uh, small employers and quite often if you can help them to understand what they need to do for their own staff that will also help them to understand what might be happening to their to their MP colleagues so you know I hope Lindsay Hoyle will be looking at the most modern employee employer Um, practice out there and we'll be then translating that into parliament and then also you know MPs will be able to say look we're we're leading the way not just for ourselves but for our staff as well and that's what we expect everybody to be doing.
0: Um, Maria we're talking about Lindsay Hoyler um, who is winning some praise I wondered uh, while we have you here Boris Johnson Have you spoken to the Prime Minister about the menopause? Do you think he takes the subject as seriously as Lindsay Hoyle
2: does? Yeah, I mean, I haven't spoken to him specifically about the menopause as such, but we are um, about to appoint a women's health ambassador whose key role will be around uh, raising further the profile of the menopause and and improving the the care that women need when they're going through it, and whether that's HRT or whether that's a a range of uh, services. So, you know, and he has, um, you know, interviewed for that post, so he's taking a personal interest in that. So I think, you know very much he's leading from the top and only last week as ministers we co-signed the workplace uh, menopause pledge uh, for the civil service so again you know want to make sure that the civil service is a uh, a large employer and a significant employer of women that we take the lead and that's not just to to look after women in the civil service but it's again as michelle saying was around signposting to maybe smaller employers or women who are not in uh, such positions where they can speak out easily they may be working long hours low pay maybe self-employed but signaling what can be done to help um, a woman in the workplace um, and with someone's self-employed you know just to be able to, to for them to be able to acknowledge that actually if they're really really tired you know maybe they do need to to do you know juggle their workload slightly differently allow themselves some flexible time uh, and to, to, to kind of indicate that they this is just a natural process that going to. So I think big organisations like Lloyd's, like Parliament, like the civil service, it's great for the women working in them. But hopefully it will also help those women in other organisations to see what can be done and help those employers in smaller organisations too, to realise that some small simp changes can make a huge difference.
0: Michelle, we're talking about a sea change on the menopause. And I just wondered, do you think there's also been a power shift uh, in the sense that women are now looking at the menopause policies employers have in place, how how they'll be treated?
1: Absolutely. So we are definitely seeing that with some of our senior women appointments. They want to know actually, are you a menopause friendly organisation? How might I be treated in this organisation? So there is a lot more focus by women you know who are thinking about actually, you know, where do I want to work and how am I going to be treated? To see, actually, have you got a policy in place and and what's the impact going to be for me? So it's really prevalent, and we know as we you know want to hire more diversity, you know, into our senior roles that it's um, it's a key thing to make sure that we're all doing.
0: Now finally on this podcast we normally ask uh, our interviewees what's the worst advice I've ever been given but we're going to mix that up today obviously you're very welcome to give us uh, any awful advice you've received on the menopause but otherwise um, we wondered if you could all give us one piece of advice for women going through the menopause whether that is personal experience or uh, your view from the industry in in terms of what to do so to, to go first in no particular order I think we might go to Michelle first
1: The most important advice I could give and, you know, as a woman going through the menopause at the moment is not to be fearful about speaking about it. To be willing to come forward and say, actually, you know, this is what I'm going through and this is the impact it's having. And also to look at what you can do yourself to help yourself through that and being proactive in that. So do not suffer in silence would be my advice. Uh, Talk about it because when you do, you educate yourself, you educate the people around you and you make life a whole lot better.
2: Maria? my my advice would be to look at the range of symptoms from the menopause so if someone's not sure whether they're going through the menopause maybe because their periods are you know slightly haphazard or um have stopped for a while look at some of the other side effects and it is like a light bulb moment when jackie talks about the palpitations but you know the the brain fog and they're not sleeping all of a sudden for, for a lot of women when they look at the wider symptoms it's not just about having hot flushes and your periods stopping it really is a light bulb moment and quite reassuring that ah it's just a natural process it's not that I'm not coping it's not that there's something seriously wrong with me Um, so uh, that would be my best advice because it it will join the dots and Jackie you get to have the final word
3: (laughs) so I suppose given what I've said about Ian I would say talk to the men in your lives tell them to listen to what you've got to say tell them to get over themselves and to help you
0: <laughs> great. a great place to leave it there okay thank you to my panel today and thank you for listening